Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Oh, we're now joined by Josh Neighbor. 365 Sports has his own, of course, podcast, College Football, the Big 12. Josh, we just had Coach Aranda on, but let's focus in on the conference and the championship game. Your thoughts about the matchup between Texas, Oklahoma State tomorrow morning in Arlington. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yes, and a great, great interview with Aranda. That was awesome. Uh, yeah, so I think for tomorrow, the, you know, tough sledding is kind of the term, I guess, I, I would think of for Oklahoma State. If you think about what Oklahoma State does well, that's run the ball. Texas, what do they do great? They stop the run. And so that is where the challenge will be tomorrow for Oklahoma State, right? Not many people have run the ball very well against uh, Texas this year. Dylan Gabriel's the one, but it was, you know, a lot of scrambling, a lot of him making plays. So I'm not really sure Oklahoma State can line it up and run it right at Texas. Uh, Texas does struggle with the secondary, obviously. It's not a, a position they've been fantastic with. And Ryan Watts has been banged up. I know he, it sounds like he's going to play. So they, that's, that's an area where I think they could take advantage. They've got the receiving core. It's got enough talent. But it just feels like to me uh, that Oklahoma State's defense, too, is a problem. It's not a very good defense when it comes to stopping the pass. And Texas, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, is very good at, at distributing the football. I guess the one that gives me pause, though, is that after the really terrible start this year for Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy has proven once again why he's the best coach in this league. And the performance this year by Oklahoma State, you know, what I, what I think is, I mean, I'm not really sure, like, where I put them talent-wise, uh, top to bottom with their roster. I don't think it's as deficient of talent as we thought maybe at the start of the year. But where they are talent-wise in the Big 12 and where they've ended up, is very impressive, but I think it's hard not to lean Longhorns tomorrow. Although I do think if you're even Mike Gundy in a championship game, uh, you know, a little bit over two touchdowns, I'm probably going to take that just because as an underdog, his record is, is really good. What has to happen for them to uh, to jump out and make this a game where they can trade scores with Texas and not have to play from behind again? Yeah, so that, that's the that's obviously their big question is, you know, I mean, do, do you want to be in a game where you're trading scores? Because if it's a trading scores type situation, Texas is going to be. What they need to do is they need to be there early, obviously, and to keep themselves within striking distance. And in a, in a kind of, you know, line them up and see how it goes type fight, Texas will win. But the one thing Texas has been doing, it's caught them in recent games, you could say in recent years, but we've mentioned that Kansas State game, one that they were the much better team then, but two crippling turnovers on their side of the field set them back. Oklahoma State's going to need to force those and or, or end up on the right side of those and also cash in. Uh, those can't be three. They've got to be six. And it's got to be six like basically every time that it happens, I think, for them to win the game outright. So Texas does make some mistakes. 
right? But uh, you need to make sure that you turn whatever mistake they make into points in a pretty significant way. And then the other big key here is this. You need to make sure that, that, that their red zone offense looks like their red zone offense for most of the year. The one area where Texas really struggles is the red zone on offense. And uh, they hit a lot of explosive plays. They're very good with that. But if that's not the case, they got a whole lot of threes. So you need to make sure when they turn it over, you're getting six. When they get in the red zone, make sure they're getting three. And I think you've got a fighting chance to win the game. Josh, uh, elsewhere around the Big 12, uh, Dave Aran is obviously staying on. So that leaves Dana Holgerson as the only big head coaching change. Obviously, Kansas with a big OC change as of yesterday as well. That will that will be interesting to watch. But what were your thoughts on, on Houston deciding to pivot? And also, looks like it's coming down to Willie Fritz as being the favorite. If not, Jeff Trailer. And I know there's other names, but uh, sure seems to be a lot of smoke surrounding Willie Fritz. What do you think about that potential fit for the Cougs? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense that they would wait this long. Obviously, Tulane's got the AAC championship game tomorrow, so it does make some sense that they'd wait. But we've been talking about Willie Fritz for jobs for a while now. Uh, that's been obviously a huge talking point. And he's 63 years old. So this is probably the last stop for a guy like a, a Willie Fritz. And it's interesting that they're going to go with a guy, Willie Fritz, that is coached this part of the country. He has been he has been in Texas before, but you know he's kind of been uh, in the area. I guess because kind of the Southwest, you know, like the the Texas footprint ish Midwest. So he's kind of got the Big Twelve area covered. I'm really surprised though. Maybe it's that buyout in the end that scared them with Jeff Trailer. I know there's some talk about that, but if you're buying Dana out for whatever that that amount was. I have to figure that you're willing to put the money, you know, in the, in to get another coach. And to me, I just, I don't know why you wouldn't go the trailer direction. Like you've got Houston, which is attractive for the same reasons to me that a UCF is attractive. It is in a talent rich state, obviously. Um, and you are in a spot where a lot of guys from your area will go elsewhere. Right. So uh, if those things don't work out, maybe they want to come back to the, Missouri City area, the Houston area, whatever, and come back and be home. Also, large media market, all of those things. They have those advantages. Uh, I think the commuter school part of it hurts them a little bit. But once again, guys, Jeff Trailer was a coach where? U- UTSA. And uh, last time I checked, San Antonio is a large city. So I feel like it's kind of a more natural fit with that. But Willie Fritz coaches, you know, Tulane, which is in New Orleans, right? So there, there is that too. But, yeah, it's it just kind of um, – I guess the age thing scares me because I feel like the one thing you just went from was an Dana's not super old, but like, look at him. It's, it's, it's not like when he walks in the door, you're like, just look at this spring chicken. No offense to Dana. He's a little haggard. But, uh, I, yeah, a little, yeah. Yeah, knackered, but yes, exactly. So maybe you want, and uh, Jeff Trailer's not young either, so, but like Willie Fritz is 63. He's a good coach. I just, I'm not positive. Not positive at the fit, but they are familiar with him because he was in the conference. They when they were together. I, uh, I'm, I, I think Dana Holgerston looks pretty good. I mean, well, being well. all the pressures of <laughs> even though the millions <laughs> of dollars, <laughs> but he, yeah, the Red Bulls. He, who was the other one that drank a bunch of Red Bulls besides Holgerston? We know Matt Rule drank monsters. Who was the other coach that just fed Red Bulls? Was it Chad Morris? Can't remember no, who that was. That would not shock me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Josh, what do you think about Baylor's hiring of Jake Spavital as the offensive coordinator? Yeah, so I think that's the right kind of hire. You know, a guy who's 38 had um, – you all you all with the interview, you know, mentioning like the 
fact that you know, hey, he can be in some of the meetings because you know, he's been a head coach before, uh, maybe helping out with the portal side of things. Uh, I also think schematically, you know, Dave brought up a pretty good point where their personnel, they had a cow, not, might not necessarily match the offense, but it still worked. And you can tell at Aranda's core, like, he wants to run the ball. I mean, really, at least that, that was my thought. Like, you can hire Savital, but he, he really, it, it seems like to me, guys, he wants to run the football. And that's the thing is they've had personnel and running backs who, who could do that. Uh, it's just kind of been a big key for them as to how the offensive line and tight ends have been able to equip themselves. Because I actually think the receiving core and some of the talent they've got in those areas, uh, pass catching, like, you know, I feel like they can get guys. I feel like they're in a state where they can still get guys. I, I don't know if that'll end up being their issue. But it's really like up front. Like, that's a huge challenge for them. And, and kind of finding some consistency with that. I think we just wanted to find more consistency on offense. And I think maybe changing the identity, handing over the reins a bit, just changing something up was Dave. And I also like the fact that he's talking to Blake Shapin. And so, because, um, you know, it's crazy. It's tra- strange, guys. I, I thought about this because we were thinking about it. Uh, Will Howard and, and Blake Shapin, those are the last two Big 12 championship winning quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And they're both in the <laughs> Look, if they can get Chapin back, you know, I, I think he's a really good player still. I think uh, obviously struggled this year with injuries and whatnot, but I still think having a guy who's been around that long is actually good for the program and also somebody who's with those the high moments as of late is good. So maybe he can retain, but I, I think he will be able to find a quarterback. Um, so I do like the hire, and I, I do think for them it's kind of the right decision. I mean, for Spavito, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a good spot for him to kind of in a state where things went wrong as a head coach, kind of rectify things as an OC maybe. And for Aranda, it's a nice little reset, I believe. What do you think about uh, Kansas losing Andy Kotelnicki to uh, Penn State and the effect that that could have on that offense? I mean, Lance Leipold's going to be fine football X's and O's wise, but man, he was a a big part of what they they did, especially when they were cooking there with Jalen Daniels. Yeah, I, I I don't know if there's like, I'm not sure if I have the words to do it, guys. I mean, they... They they did some mean some mean nasty stuff. That <laughs> offense was absolutely nasty. I mean, a lot of those concepts, like you know, they they Jason Bean was involved in plays. You know, I think about all the time that the two point conversion, the last one they ran against Arkansas last year, it was the Daniels handoff to Bean, and I think they even ran that with Cole Ballard at one point too when Bean was the quarterback. Like they had just so many cool run concepts, and. Their game management was really good, too. And so I love Anatole Mickey. I love the way they generate that offense. I think that's the, that's the thing. Like, whoever they're promoting, I forget the guy's name off the top of my head. It was a quarterback coach off of, I forget who it was. But, um, like, the creativity for them was such a – I mean, there's, there's just not many guys who are that creative. Now, this week is the Broyles Award um, finalist, and I know Kansas won eight games or whatever. I, I think whoever votes for that, like we need to stop looking at the at the the top, you know, like, like top taking the top coaches and top teams. We just have to stop doing that. We can't just say like my, like God love Mike Bobo, but I've watched a lot of really average and below average Mike Bobo offenses. And Georgia's was awesome this year, but it should have been awesome. Guys like Andy Kotal, Nikki deserve a lot of credit because if you look at their losses outside of Texas, they were close games with a third string quarterback playing most of the time. And that's because the scheme was so good, and they put their playmakers in good positions. And when it was Cole Ballard, they run a lot of wildcat with Devin Neal. Like he just under he would even use guys like Jared Casey really well. And so I, I trust Lance Leipold. I mean, I think before it's all said and done, guys, if Lance Leipold continues on this trajectory, 
Andy Kotelnicki will not be the last assistant that he has leave and go off somewhere else. So I think um, that's the one thing they're going to miss is I don't know if the rest of the staff can be as creative. Now, he left them a pretty good, uh, you know, a cornucopia of plays, if you will, but just kind of the creativity on a game-to-game basis is always a delight, in my opinion. Josh, uh, Will Howard is in the portal. What do you think is a good match for him? I mean, it's it's the Avery Johnson era now at Kansas State. I mean, we saw enough of him to know that, you know, one of those guys was going to have to leave this year, and it's not going to be the 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 young guy, right, if you're, if you're Chris Kleiman. Yeah. So, Will Howard has had a good couple of years, uh, including a conference title. Where does he, Where do you see him fitting in? Well, I think for Kansas State, like this is more of a identity and personnel choice, and I also think for Will Howard, this is a you know NFL choice because the one thing you notice with K State's offense is they want to be a varied rushing attack. I think first, and Will Howard can run, but the receivers were not very good at getting open, and so and they had some struggles running on the rock this year too. So I think for them, Colin Klein was more of a. I mean, he was Will Howard's size, but like. I think, uh, you know, more of a, you know, honestly, more of a Kansas rushing attack would work for them. You've got a potential stud neighboring Johnson. I think putting all of your time, energy, and resources into that is smarter than for Will Howard. I mean, honestly, guys, like, take your pick. I mean, he is, he's a really good quarterback. And he is, you know, he's mobile. He's big. He's got, he's got a big arm, obviously. We've seen him spread it all over the field. I think there are a lot of, I mean, well, there's a lot of top ten schools that are losing quarterbacks, and you could do a lot worse than Will Howard, a quarterback. I mean, think about Bo Nix, right? Like, we didn't think about Bo Nix. He's a great guy until he went up to the Northwest and, you know, he teamed up with the, the guys up there, you know, and they've done a great job. Uh, Will Stein has done a fantastic job with that offense and, uh, you know, making Bo Nix look great. And Will Howard kind of has some similar physical traits to Bo Nix. You know, I would say Washington, too, right? Uh, uh, Will Howard who kind of fits, uh, you know, with what they do there, passing the football as well. So I think there's plenty of options for him. Uh, different places for him to go. And honestly, I think there's a lot of places where the the list is a lot longer about where he does not fit compared to where he does fit. Josh, if Texas wins tomorrow, do they find themselves in the college football playoff, in your opinion? Well, it's going to depend on if Paul had a good evening or not. Um, I think that is – it's probably dependent on that. I I don't know. So, at this point in time, I'm super confused because – the, the committee likes to move those goalposts, as we know. Oh, yeah. And so they're like, we're super concerned about finding the best four teams. All right, we'll check 24-7 sports and, and then just, you know, you just basically remove uh, 90, you know, 90-some teams, 100-some teams out of the FCS from your rankings each week, right? And that's what we're really trying to do here. Use Bud Elliott's blue chip ratio. We want to talk about which teams can actually win because the games have to matter. I saw Peter Burns tweet something last night where he said, uh, I believe he, he was like, Texas beat Alabama when Deion Sanders was running college football. Like, why does that matter? This this was the same season, and the results have to matter, and Texas beat Alabama at Alabama. So I think the one trump card Texas will have is, to me, you cannot have a 14 playoff with Alabama in it. That does not include Texas. Right. Uh, it's hard to justify. It, it, the, the math does not work out. And then on the other side of things, too, let's just say that Chalk holds Georgia wins. Well, I know Florida State from a television standpoint, and that's what this is. I know FSU from a television standpoint is going to be a huge meh because of the third string. They'll still do well TV-wise. But the matchup is just hard to get behind if it's going to be 
maybe Tate Rotomaker playing, depending on how bad the injury is. Paul, what's the third figure's name? I don't even know the kid's Brent, name. Brock Glenn. Sure. He was exactly. at Ohio, wasn't he coming I mean, into Ohio State yeah. at one point? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That yeah. was a that's a random name generator, is what that is. That's <laughs> that name comes from. So yeah. like that so but if they win to me, if you go thirteen and zero, you're a power five champion with wins against Louisville as the third string, LSU and on the road against Clemson. I cannot, I can't keep you out. And so even if it's third string quarterback, I don't care like if we're, how you assess it. Resume has to matter. That's what you are. You are what your resume says you are. And that's what earning it is, are the wins and losses on your schedule. So Texas probably most likely path is if Louisville wins, uh, least like, or, you know, kind of secondary path, and Alabama gets in, although I'm skeptical about that. Uh, and obviously it involves Texas winning too. So I think those are the two ways you could see something happen. But I feel like now the more likely one it was before, but especially now is Louisville getting the win. Josh, of the Dave Aranda, 25 minutes or so he gave to us, and, and thank you for listening and watching that. And obviously important to hear what he has to say. What were a couple of things that stood out to you uh, from what you heard? So I'm going to go really big picture here. I was thinking about this as I was listening. I, I don't think we find too many people, you all know it better than I do, that, that don't like Dave Aranda. I do think at, at points you could even argue his honesty and, his, and how forthright he is and how almost quietly thoughtful he is can work against him at times just because there's more brash, outgoing people. I want Dave Aranda to do well because I like Dave Aranda the person and I believe in what he says and I like I actually like the values. I hate being altruistic. Uh, I would be a terrible AD, by the way, because I would always go for like, the values hires. But that kind of gets me to my point. Those that doesn't always get you. That doesn't really get you wins. I mean, I'm I work in Arkansas, guys. Uh, Sam Pippen's a nice guy. Everybody likes. Guess who they brought back this week because things are not going well. Bobby Petrino. Guess who came back to the SEC last year after leaving in disgrace to be called prostitutes off the school phone? Hugh Freeze. Right. Everybody hates Eli Drinkowitz's guts because he's a weird nerd. But guess what? He's a dogged recruiter, and also they won ten games this season. Like, the good guys in this sport typically do not always win. And that is the one thing about this sport that kind of makes it tough to watch at certain points. You know, I, you know, I, I know folks from the, the Baylor, uh, the Bryles tree make, make people feel certain ways about that kind of stuff too. Jeff Luddy getting hired makes a certain group of people feel a certain type of way. So I think that that's kind of my big thought is like, man, I want the good guy to do well. Dave Aranda doing well was a win for the good guys. This is a loss to the bad guys as he's doing poorly right now. But this is not a sport where good guys always win. And if you can coach, man, you will have a long, long life in this business, much like people like Bobby Petrino, much like people like Hugh Freeze. And I don't know if the kind of dog or the schematic expert, uh, you know, kind of type recruiter, motivator type person is in Aranda the way it's in some of those guys. And I think that's good for his personal life probably. Maybe not good for a football program, which is sad to say. Josh, you freeze would like you to know it was escorts. That's a. Uh, oh. I, don't know, I don't know what the delineation is there, but classy. Yeah. yeah, much classier for you. And then obviously you got to go to the Jesus Jesus Camp Real Bill the Real Bill <laughs> Program Liberty, and you know get to get to do that. Yeah, but I mean like guys like that, you know, he's got a job again, and he almost beat Bama, yeah. right? I mean he's done it before. That's that's kind of how you get a second life in this business, and so. Uh, I feel bad for Dave, but uh, I don't know if the attitude you know, is, is going to make a 18 to 22-year-old kid stay on campus for him. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. Great stuff and insight across the board, as always. 
Fridays at 4, Josh Neighbors from 365 Sports. This has been a Rogue Media Network 